Hello, live streamers. Hello, YouTubers. Hello, Milwaukee Brewer fans. Uh, man, the only positive thing I can say about the Brewers is that the Packers won. This has been a, let's call it a potential gut punch in the series against the Miami Marlins. And it is the Brewers who have to swim upstream. Trouble is brewing in Milwaukee. How many more corny phrases like that can I come up with? I don't know, but it might be time to bring back friend of the podcast, Dominic Catronio, the host of Locked On Brewers for this episode of Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, another live stream. I see we have a couple people already in. Good to see you coming aboard. This is the Daily Podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Hey, check out my lower third. You can call me Sully. On today's episode, Dominic Catronio, the host of Lockdown Brewers, are here. I was going to bring him on anyway. I was hoping to talk about something slightly different than what we just saw. It's going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, Those of you who don't know me, I am an Emmy-nominated television producer, uh, comedian, writer, filmmaker, teacher, a lot of things like that. I've been a host of baseball podcasts for over a decade. In the last four seasons, I've been here with the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods. Same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball. You can see on, on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. So yeah, there's uh, no way else to to say it, but then to just say it. It was uh, a devastating weekend for the Milwaukee Brewers, who looked like they were about to storm their way into the playoff hunt. Instead, they basically clinched a spot for the Padres, and now we have three games left and two games to make up. That's a big, big hill to climb. And no person is better to climb hills than Dominic Catronio of Lockdown Brewers. I don't know how that transition worked there. You have to forgive me. Uh, by well, the hey, way, I'm a caddy, so it makes sense. Now we're talking. By the way, if anyone is on uh, – uh, okay, yeah. Uh, we Let the let the, uh, uh, let the schadenfreude begin. One of our listeners has already posted in. I'm a Cardinal fan. Couldn't be more happy watching the Brewers crash and burn. Okay, nice to see that we're having the 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 kind Cardinal fans like Shatter out there um, coming right in. Uh, wasn't nineteen eighty two enough? But hey, Dominic, how you doing? I'm doing great. And to address the Shatter, look, you, you, they won. Tip my cap to them. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, and uh, Albert Pools for that walk off today. They won the series. They won it fair and square. Congratulations to them. Uh, but if you're going to call it a trash franchise after making four consecutive postseasons, which is something the Cardinals have not done the last four postseasons, I don't think you can call it a trash franchise, though, Shatter. Yeah, look, at I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to, I didn't post that one because I didn't want to get into any uh, trash talking on that particular uh, Ben there. But uh, yeah, this has been, let's just be honest, this has been a very strange year for the Milwaukee Brewers. But, uh, you know, and and it's, kind of sometimes hard to remember the fact that at the trade deadline they were in they, they were in first place by three or four games mm-hmm. and this has been um 
I, this has not been good. Uh, and, and and the weird thing is, is that it kind of seemed to the 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 uh, I got just I got a glare coming in from my window here. Um, the 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 falls seem to begin right around the time they trade Josh Hader, but Josh Hader's been terrible for San Diego. So I've never seen a, a trade hurt both teams, but uh, that seems to be exactly what just happened here. I disagree that Hader has hurt the Padres. He's really righted the ship as of late. No one here in Milwaukee surprised he's figured it out and got it back on track. But yes, that's going to be the trade that is going to live in infamy for a long time in this organization. Uh, the reason why the trade really stings is because it ended up being really the only move of consequence the Brewers made at the deadline. A lot of folks were clamoring for a bat, but let's be honest, the hitter market was not very good this uh, past trade deadline. So when you look at the thought of, well, you only traded your best, you know, your best reliever, right? And that was a strength at the time, right? The Brewers bullpen of Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, Josh Hader looked automatic. And Trevor Gott's been a great pickup for them. Kobe Milner's been phenomenal this season. So to trade from a strength but not add anything to a weakness is what everyone's going to look back to here in 2022 saying, wait a minute, we should, we should have known the Brewers were not going to win because they never set themselves up for success. And it shattered, absolutely shattered the clubhouse. It took about 10 yep. days for them to recover. There is chemistry is a real thing. It is hard to quantify um, because nerds in the booths and new nerds like me and nerds in front offices don't like chemistry. They think everything is played in a vacuum. And I say that knowing some of the nerds, the game is not easy. It's easier when you were friends with everybody in the clubhouse and you know what to expect and to have a franchise cornerstone traded in the middle of the year shocked everybody. And it took them a while to recover, and it's going to be the reason why they didn't make the postseason. You know, the last time a team traded away an all-star at the trade deadline when they were in first place was in 2014 when Oakland traded traded UNS Cespedes. Now, in that trade, they got back John Lester. That was a very strange trade. Uh, They got an ace who was on the verge of free agency. They traded a very popular slugger. Red Sox fans hated it. A's fans hated it. And the A's went on. A, they wound up making the postseason. They lost that thrilling wild card game to Kansas City. But they went from having the best record in the American League to being the visiting team in the wild card game after that deal. Maybe there's a lesson to be learned here. If you're in first place, don't trade your all-stars away. Yeah, simply put, but when you look at that that team – the, the 2014 uh, Oakland A's, like, they needed pitching, to say the least. But Joanna Cespedes was not the price to pay, especially for what they needed. And it, quite frankly, the deal that you look back on now here with the Brewers deal with Josh Hader, to DFA Denelson Lamette as soon as you acquired him doesn't help. To have Taylor Rogers, you know, really clank it down the stretch, he also yeah. blew it again here uh, on, in Sunday's game. It, mm-hmm. And then to have to say, oh, you got these two minor league prospects. The Brewers fans are sick of hearing that. Oh, hey, future, the prospects, the building toward the future, the infamous line. This is the that, year. This was a year. Right. This, this, is, this is the present. Too. The line that David Stern said is take as many bites at, out of the apple. But this year was supposed to be a big bite and it turned into a little bite. Right. I mean, this is. You know, I mean, like, I, I, I want to get into the the, the series in, in, in segment two here. But the fact of the matter is this is a team that's had a nice run and they got 
a few years ago, they got to game seven of the NLCS where they actually had a lead briefly in game seven of the NLCS. So you can't get much closer to the World Series than that. I thought last year was a missed opportunity when they matched up against Atlanta. I thought the Brewers had an outstanding starting pitching staff, and I thought were I thought they were going to be the surprise team of the NL. Turns out I underestimated the impact of the Braves' bullpen. But this was supposed to be a year where, okay, are they going to be better than Los Angeles or the Mets? They were supposed to be one of the teams – that if they played Los Angeles, if they played the Mets in a postseason series, that they would be able to be a potential, uh, you know, pushing over the apple cart. And, uh, you know, you go from a, a little bit of wiggle room at first place to now you may not even make it in an expanded playoff situation. Um, I, is this a situation where heads are going to roll? No, I don't think heads are going to roll this year. Uh, they took a gamble and lost on it, but there is pressure now. There's legitimate pressure on the Brewers' front office this coming offseason because it's clear the offense is not good enough to compete. Look, the Cardinals, yes, they're going to lose Yachty. Yes, they're going to lose Pujols and maybe Wainwright. We don't know, but they're still in a very good position to compete next season. The Cubs are going to be the mystery team in free agency because if Carlos Correa opts out, he's always been linked to the Cubs. Uh, they've got money to blow now, and they have some ideas up their tricks in, up their sleeve. Pirates are not ready to compete. The Reds are not ready to compete. So it's still a two-horse race, depending on what the Cubs do between the Cardinals and the Brewers. But the big offseason that's ahead of these crew of this crew for David Stearns and Matt Arnold is the fact that Colton Wong has to walk. He has a team option for $10 million next year, which is no way the Brewers are going to pick that up. Omar Narvaez is about to walk. You're also going to have to figure out what to do at third base between Luis Rios and Jace Peterson. you got to figure out what to do in center field between Garrett Mitchell and Tyrone Taylor. Hunter Renfro's back for another year. Willie Adamas is back for another year. Rowdy Telez is back for another year. But there still are questions about where the heck is the offense going to come from. Yeah, well, I think the offense needs a boost. And if they can't build it from within, and they can't build it through trades, and they can't build through a free agent signing – the only other way to do it is to build them up through Built Bars. If you ever tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Are you ready, Dominic? Delicious. Indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to our new favorite, Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And, of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. We know how time-consuming it is to make cookie dough. Well, we've cut that part out of your life. Plus, it's healthy for you, too. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com and snag a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and hoard them for yourself. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff it's covered 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture that's so good. And it's also great that their bars are made with the collagen protein. There's science here. Your body absorbs that more efficiently and provides a lot of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or just to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and the sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar 
And go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 to get your Built Bars. BuiltBar.com. Okay, we're back here with Dominic Catronio. Um, what a nightmare. I'm sorry. I hate to keep saying this, but I was listening to Euchre. I love listening to Euchre. And that first game, they had a 2 nothing lead. Things were just chugging along. And Philadelphia was losing to Washington. And you're, you're st- I'm starting imagining the scenarios in my head. And to me, it's a perfect scenario. And don't take this the wrong way, Dominic. But I'm neither a Brewer fan nor a Phillies fan. So the idea of we'd go to the final three games of the season and two talented but flawed teams would be dead even. And San Diego was losing. I thought, what if we have a three-way tie? There were all these scenarios going through my head. And all it took was to hold on to that 2 nothing lead. Avisel Garcia hits the grand slam. Okay, they don't get to tie him. Then they wind up beating Sandy Alcantara. Ironically, the only game they won was the one that Sandy Alcantara pitched. But that's With only Corbin one Burns. run, mind you. Yeah, I mean, Corbin Burns was, was like, like, matched him. That's why you have an ace. And then you had yesterday's game, which it just was like a lightning fast, how, like, how it unraveled. Uh, ironically, when you don't have a good closer and they wound up hitting the two-run single with two outs in the ninth inning. And then today, where it was just rally after rally, one short, one short, loading the bases, extra innings, Manfred runners left on. They dro- You know, this is why you can't look at the schedule and say, ah, oh, it's a soft schedule. They had four at home against the Marlins, and they dropped three of them, of which they were four outs or fewer away from winning those. I mean, this is this is devastating. And if they obviously if they don't make it to the playoffs, you just have to look at this weekend as the one where it all everything went wrong. Yeah, you, you can't accept losing three out of four to a team that's going to lose over 90, 90 games. It, it's not acceptable. At home. And you just look at it. You could have still won the series three games to one. And if the results were the same that they were in D.C. that they ended up being, these two teams would be tied in record heading into the final three days of the season. So it was certainly out there in front of the Brewers to make something happen. And something to keep in mind is that the Phillies own the tiebreaker on the Brewers, which means it's essentially over. The Brewers have to win out while the Phillies have to lose out. That's the only way the Brewers can get in because they cannot finish with the tied record. Uh, It's really one of those series that you look at it. It's easy to say the bullpen's the reason why they lost these games. It's really easy to say that. It's really the offense. Eight runs in four games is totally unacceptable. I don't care how good the pitching is on the other side. You are not going to win in a four-game series averaging two runs a game. It's just never going to happen. And getting multiple times with runners, you know, multiple bases loaded opportunities, not get a single hit with the bases loaded this whole weekend. Zero hits yeah. with the bases loaded. They still scored runs with the bases loaded thanks to a hit-by-pitch, an infield ground ball out, and then a sack fly. Right, that, that doesn't win games getting one run at a time, no matter who you're facing. The Brewers have stunk, and I don't have a better word to describe it, have stunk with runners in scoring position the last couple of weeks, and it's going to be the reason that the bullpen makes it look worse because you're thinking, oh, the bullpen blew it again. What the heck's going on? No, the bullpen is being asked to preserve a one nothing game, a 2-1 to one right. game a three to two game. All these times the Brewers are not able to add insurance runs. They have played so many one run games that become three, four run games because the bullpen eventually blows it because they've been overworked, overgassed. And now it's, I mean, you look at the top third of this order, 
Yelich, Adamas, and Telez, each of them over their last 10 to 12 games, they're all hitting under a buck 50 over the last 10, 12 games. The offense is absolutely unacceptable right now. And, you know, you're going to lose over 162 games. You're going to lose a heartbreaker or two. You're going to lose a game. You're going, ah, oh, man, we had no business losing that game and we lost it. Okay. And, and, you, and you kind of take that into account. You can't have three of those in one series against a 90-loss a, a team. With Let me blow you with the stat. Line. I mean, the Brewers are just 10. They're only 10 games over 500 against teams under 500. So think about that for a right second. There. They've only gained 10 games against the team they're supposed to be beating. That There's only one team with a worse winning percentage against teams under 500. That's the Seattle Mariners, and they got themselves into the postseason. The Brewers are the only team above 500 that have only 10 games uh, above 500 against teams with a losing record. That's not going to get you in the postseason. Now, and and along those lines here, uh, I'm at baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. Yes, losing this series was rough. They dropped three out of four to Arizona this year. Arizona's dropped, better than people give credit for. I will. I will. That's true. They can pitch. The they can pitch. They can pitch. I'll give them that. Okay. They've they lost the season series to the Cubs. Okay. That's unacceptable. Yep. They lost the season series. Uh, they've split the season series with Washington. A hundred. Now let me team. blow your mind. Let me blow your mind as you look down that list. When you talk about games you should have won, games you should have lost. Yeah. The Brewers won every single series against AL East opponents. They won a series against the Yankees. They won a series against the Orioles early in the year. They swept the Tampa Bay Rays. They won a series against the Red Sox, and they won a series at home against the Blue Jays. None of it makes sense. Well, you also take a look at the for for the first two thirds of the season. This was an elite team. This was a they had the best leader. start in franchise history. Their first fifty games, and then yeah. they were rolling. They had some injuries in June, but they were still in first place. And then the trade of Josh Hader shocked everybody August first, and they have not been able to recover since then. The biggest lead that they had was a four and a half game lead in uh, right around Memorial Day. Uh, and also around that time, they were 14 games above 500 at that point. So, yeah, I mean, that's like the first third of the season. I, I, I bought this team hook, line, and sinker. You know, I picked them to win the division. They got off to a wonderful start with their pitching staff. And I thought, like, oh, man, I mean, obviously Los Angeles is good. You know, obviously the Mets were good. We all knew the Braves weren't going to be a bad team. But you're looking at it and said, this really, this could be the year where everything clicks. And – you know, what was the, I mean, was the rationale behind the hater trade simply that he was slumping and they were trying to dump salary? I mean, I'm trying to, I still don't understand it. It's a mix of both. Uh, principal owner Mark Adonacio said it was not a cost-cutting move. He lets David Stearns and Matt Arnold run all of baseball operations and does not interfere as much as he used to, according to his own uh, sayings. But let's be honest. I mean, the Brewers... Josh Hader has always been a trade rumor because the joke is that the Brewers will never be able to pay him. And what David Stearns alluded to in his press conference, saying that we need to take as many bites of the apple as possible, implies that they knew they were not going to pay Josh Hader entering his final year of arbitration next year. I mean, heading in, what he was doing through May with only one blown save, he was 18 for 18, he was absolutely dominant. He was going to be looking like a $15 million arbitration closer, which is a figure that's never been touched before. Granted, he slumped in the middle of the year, but now he's got back on track. But I am not buying it that this was not a cost-cutting move because you don't trade, you know, one of the best closers in baseball in the middle of the season while you're in first place. It was a cost-cutting move. 
yes, they were worried about the slump because what if they wait too long and they don't trade him and he continues to slump and there's no value on him all of a sudden? They did kind of get panicked of that worst case scenario. But a lot of folks, a lot of analysts said the return that the Brewers got, they could have got in the offseason. So why do they rush it? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that, you know, obviously you made the point that they got Rodgers, but they DFA'd Lamette. They got some young pieces. If they pulled off a trade of Hayter and it brought in a huge bat or brought in someone who – or brought in – like there was really one difference-making Somebody bat. to help win now. It, yeah, it if they, yeah exactly. They, there's nothing in that deal that you look at now that said, oh, this improved our chances for this year. And it really looks like a shell shock franchise. And looking just how this weekend un- unfolded, I mean, I mean, this is uh, the, this is just was a gut punch of a weekend. You're right; they have to be perfect the rest of the way. And how can you expect this team to be perfect when you know the big difference between the two is that when the Marlins need to get that big hit, they would get the grand slam by Garcia. They would get the the two run hit that scored the tying and winning runs. The Brewers didn't have a single hit like that. In fact, when, when he, the, he hit the grand slam on Friday evening, I, it took me a second because the Brewers felt like they were in such command of that game. I had to remind myself that it was only two, nothing. Cause I thought it felt like they're up four or five, nothing, but one swing of the bat. And it really, it changed the tenor of the, of the season for Milwaukee for Philadelphia and for San Diego. It, it all changed on that one, one, two pitch. He was one strike away from ending the inning, you know, yeah. and to old friend, obviously Garcia of all people, right. Who was over three in his return to American family field. He had made a couple of errors on defense. He was having a bad game. And then he hits a grand slam off of his old friend, Freddie Peralta. You couldn't write it, you know, any better from a Marlins or from a baseball fan perspective, but from a Brewers fan, it's like, are you kidding me? This guy really? So it's been that kind of a week here in uh, Brewers land. And, you know, it just takes one more win by the Phillies and it's all over. All right. We're here with Dominic Contronio of the sad lockdown Brewers podcast. Um, uh, look, this has to be, I mean, I, I'm going to go on a limb here. I think either the Brewers are going to lose a game or the Phillies are going to win a game over these final three. Um, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And wouldn't that be fun? But you just get the sense that you know, the Phillies were doing everything they could to bottom out by playing poorly against Washington in that first game. Um, but this has to be considered a massive, massive letdown uh, if they if this team misses the playoffs altogether, uh, especially to a very flawed Phillies team. What do they do in this offseason, and how would Milwaukee's fan base react to this and quite frankly will be a massive failure i mean there no one's going to be happy in this front office no one's going to be happy in this fan base look this team had world series aspirations and that's not hyperbole not many teams can legitimately say they're a world series contender in spring training the brewers were certainly a world series contender in spring training because you had pitching you felt wow another full year of willie damas a full year of rowdy telez a full year of Hunter Renfro, an upgrade over Jackie Bradley Jr. And if you get anything out of Christian Yelich, you're going to be thrilled. And yeah, 20 homers from Luis Urias last year. There was a lot of encouraging things from this team to look forward to. But to look at this offseason, the number one priority is, is hit is offense. And, and Rowdy Telez playing every day for the first time in his career clearly ran out of gas. Christian Yelich is not 
you know, the 2019 Christian Elitch is not walking through that door anytime soon. I'm convinced he's playing hurt right now. He has not said as such, but I'm convinced he's playing hurt. He's not moving as well as he used to. Willie Adamas trying to put the team on his back. He's pressing harder than we've ever seen him press before. Colton Wong has not been the same guy this season as he was last season, and he's about to leave. It's all offense, and the Brewers, it's amazing. When, when you look at their record, I have the notes right here. i got to pull them out here real quick. But when you look at their record, when they just score four runs, think about that for a second. Four runs, that's not a tall ask, right? With an elite pitching staff, and if you're asking for four runs, that's nothing crazy. The Brewers, when they score at least four runs, they are 36 games over 500. 71 and 25. Just four runs. That's all you need. And the Brewers still can't do that. They didn't do it once this entire weekend against the Marlins. It's amazing when you consider for so many teams, developing pitching is their issue. And, you know, if you could Voltron the Angels with Otani and Trout with the Brewers pitching staff, you know, they'd be they'd be a World Series contender. You know, and, and and that's not even a team that has a very deep offense. But you know, you look at teams that, that are just trying trying to claw together any sort of a pitching staff. And then you look at what Milwaukee has, and you just push four, four damn runs across the board. And you you know, this team's winning the division by six or seven games. You know, I mean the Cardinals are a good team. It's not like they're in a, a division with team. a chump. Uh, and the Cardinals, if they're healthy and get on a run, they could become a very dangerous team uh, in a postseason run. But the Brewers could have been too. And I thought one of the reasons why the Brewers would have been scary if they got in in the wild card round is they'd be able to start like a Corbin Burns and be able to use their pitching staff and just say, take two out of three and then take your chances. You know, would they have beaten – the Braves, Mets, or Dodgers, I don't know. Neither do you, but no one was picking the Braves last year. So you don't know. They get hot at the right time, and maybe this would be a situation where they sneak in, and then they relax. It's like, okay, okay, we're here. We we managed to do it. It was bumpier than we were expecting. And you've seen instances of that, of teams that get in, and then suddenly they get red hot. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, like – I I know you mentioned you didn't think that heads will roll, but could this be a situation where there has to be a fall guy? No, I don't think so either because a trade backfired, and it's one of the rare trades that has backfired for David Stearns. He's got a great track record. He's built up a lot of equity here at, uh, in Milwaukee. I mean, look, the Willie Adamas, the Rowdy Tellez, even the Hunter Strickland deal is an under-the-radar one from last year. He signed two team-friendly extensions to Aaron Ashby and to Freddie Peralta. Uh, the how the original Josh Hader trade that acquired Adrian Hauser with it for Carlos Gomez, like and for Mike Fires, like that trade was a masterclass. And you look at, you know, all you know, the Brewers did the dang thing, right? They signed the superstar in 2020. No small market team ever signs the superstar, and they did the right thing in 2020. And now they're getting burned for it. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's hindsight 2020 so easy to say, oh, my God, Christian Yelich thinks, why would you give him that contract? If you told me in 2020 you're only going to get Yelich for, I think it's $22, 26000000 million a year. Oh, my gosh, that's a steal because he looked like the best dang player in baseball. And now he's falling apart. You could not predict that coming. So the Brewers, that's why I don't think heads will roll because Yelich is holding them down. No one saw that coming. 
Council's still one of the best managers in baseball, but it's the fact that the players just simply aren't executing, and it's been a flawed roster all season long. They can't hit lefties. Andrew McCutcheon was brought here to hit lefties. He can't hit him. Colton Wong's hitting a buck 40 against lefties. He can't hit him. Keston Hira has reverse splits, and he's right-handed. He can't hit lefties. You see what I'm getting at here? It's not all Council's fault. The team has underperformed way, way short of their expectations. Wow. Man, what a weekend. What a weekend. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, this, this, I've always, I always want there to be a situation where we're having absolute abject chaos on the final day of the season. But I think the chances of that may have just, uh, yeah, especially with how fun game 162 was last year, you know, and I was telling everybody, look, this does not happen often. Enjoy. And we're not going to get it this year, it looks like, unless something crazy happens. But nothing to no. keep in mind, the Brewers are about to see two aces from the Diamondbacks. They're going to see Zach Allen and they're going to see Merrill Kelly. So it's not getting any easier for them, even though the Astros are going to use their A guys. Dusty Baker has already said so against the Phillies, but it's not that easy. You know, you got to go. You got to be absolutely perfect when the Brewers have been far from it the last couple of weeks. Well, I'm not saying this person is perfect, but they're pretty close to it. And that's Dominic Catronio, the host of Locked On Brewers. I'm short, said, bald, and blind. I am far from perfect. Oh, man, that's that's almost a haiku. Uh, Dominic, t- tell people uh, where they can uh, f- listen to your show and find you. Yeah, I'm Dom underscore Catronio, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. Uh, I've got a podcast coming out uh, Monday morning. Uh, daily, of course, if you're on the Lockdown Network, I'm also the post-game host on WTMJ for Brewers Extra Innings. So uh, you can catch me all week on that and getting ready to wrap up the season. Yep, and I'm at Lockdown MLB Pods for both Twitter and Instagram. And my private account is, is uh, Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Oh, man, performing an autopsy on the almost dead body of the Milwaukee yeah, To Brewers. quote... Princess Bride, only mostly dead. Almost dead. And to quote Monty Python, the Holy Grail, I'm not dead yet. This has been Locked On MLB for Sunday, October 2nd, 2022, on a live stream. Thanks for those of you in the live stream chat room. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>